No, honestly, I'm, I'm humbled to be here. Um, it's, it's been a lot of stuff. Can you guys? All right. Um, it's been a lot of stuff I've been wrestling with. Um, and a lot of conversations with Justin and a lot of encouragement to get up here. And um, a lot of stress this week, a lot of stress. But uh, I'm just happy that God's given me this opportunity. And uh, it's, it's been fun to prepare this message and kind of lean into what God's word is. Um, and as you know, if you've been here for the past couple weeks, we've been in a series called Dangerous Prayers. And whenever we first started talking about this, um, it, it, if you don't know, it's a message from Craig Rochelle. He's, he's a big-time pastor. And, and it's just a, a call for us as Christians to just step into what God is calling us into. Um, these dangerous prayers, they're, they're scary because they make, us, they make us put ourselves in a place of surrender. And instead, they make us get into a position to where we have to lean into God. And if, if you're wondering how I actually got up here, I mean, that's kind of the story is I prayed one of these dangerous prayers, and I had no idea the magnitude that it would actually hold in my life. Um, I I'd prayed on a Sunday whenever the, the message that Justin had gave was, was amazing, and the, the worship was on point. And in that time right there, I felt so motivated, and I felt so called to God, and I was like, God, just... Just show me what you want me to do in, in my life. Just mold my life and make me the hands and the feet of Jesus. And in that moment, I felt super motivated to get more active in the church, to do things that I never thought would be possible. And then Monday came, and all that went away. <laughs> and for me, I was like, all right, I had, the, I had the feeling, but it went away, so maybe I'm not called to anything within the church. Maybe... Maybe I'm just supposed to come here every Sunday and then come every maybe Wednesday or Thursday for a house church or a huddle, whatever it may be. But, but God was calling me to more. And if you don't know and you haven't experienced this yet, you should never tell Justin that you want to do anything unless you plan on following through with it. That's the most amens I think we've ever got out of this church. So Justin came to me one day, and it was after a huddle, and I had talked to him a little bit, and he was like, hey, man, I, I think that God's calling you to some stuff. What, what's your heart saying? I was like, well, I, I really thought that I would like to work with some youth, and um, I, I thought that I would maybe like to, to work with college-age kids, and Justin, okay, yeah, he, he encouraged me, kind of went away, and I was like, all right, I'm off the hook, like, nothing's too big of a deal. He, he didn't make too big of a deal out of it or seem like he was... He was coming after me for anything, and then it just took a little bit of time for Justin to start hunting me down. And it started innocently with, hey, man, you interested in coming to youth? Like, just come to a youth group, see if you like it. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'd be super interested, busy the next year, but um, I'll come sometime. And uh, he kept after me and kept after me. And then at some point in time, I just felt, okay, I, this is something I need to do. God is calling me to youth, so... Let's step into this. Let's see what it is. So I stepped into it. I liked it. I kind of spent a few weeks, um, didn't really do anything really intentionally with it. And then Justin basically just made a post one day that said I was a youth leader, so I, I didn't have much of a choice. <laughs> and the, the dangerous prayer that I had prayed before that was I wanted God to do something in my life to change me. And the other dangerous thing I did was tell Justin that sometimes I just need a push. Sometimes I need somebody to tell me to do something. And he did. So then after I joined youth, I started to really live into that role. I started to love it. And then he said, hey, man, are you, you have any interest in preaching? And I was like, 
preaching. I don't think I'm qualified for that. But he kept after me and kept after me. And um, I, I'm not joking when I say that when you tell Justin that you want to do something, he's like Liam Neeson from Taken. <laughs> like, he will, he will hunt you down and he will find you. And there's only three options that you have at that point. The first option is you say yes and you just give in to whatever he's asking you to do. The second option is you keep running and running and running and running. And then finally, he catches you. And then God's going to work on your heart and you're going to do what you told him you originally had planned on doing in the first place. Or the last option is you move out of the country, you change your name, you start a new life, and then he becomes Liam Neeson and literally tracks you down and finds you. And obviously with COVID, I didn't have the option to leave the country, so that's why I'm here today. But in all seriousness, um, God calls us to be more as followers of him. God calls us to live into these roles that, that again, put us in a place of surrender. And he's going to call us to do some uncomfortable things. And I'm sure as many of us have experienced, being a Christian and living like Christ isn't comfortable. There's a lot of times that there's going to be friendships, there's going to be um, family members, there's going to be um, busy seasons that you're going to miss out on things, but God calls us to be more. God calls us to be his hands and feet. And it doesn't always work into what our life is happening at the time. It doesn't always work into our schedule. But I think that's, that's the main part about living for God is we have, to, we have to belittle ourselves. And anything that you ever feel called to that's going to advance his kingdom, that's going to change somebody's life, that is going to help somebody, that, that is what it's like to be like Christ. So kind of what I was talking about earlier with on that Sunday, I felt super motivated. And I think as a congregation, we all have felt that to where we feel like on Sunday, we hear a great message, we hear a great song, and at that point right there, we feel super motivated to, to do things for God. But then Monday comes around, Tuesday comes, Wednesday comes, and we just have our lives fill us with all of these empty things that we feel like we have to do before we actually live into what God is calling us to. We may feel like we need to lead a life group or um, reach out to a, a child in the community that you know who's having a hard time, but we just fill it with, with what this world is wanting us to do. We fill it with work. We fill it with all these distractions, TV, social media, just all these negative things. And it's hard. And the passage that we're going to talk about today, it's, it's 1 Samuel and it's chapter 3. So if you guys want to go ahead and start flipping there, that's fine. But um, we're going to learn some, some basic applications from a small boy named Samuel. And I'm sure many of you have heard the story of Samuel. And as Samuel goes out throughout his life, he, he becomes a great prophet and a great teacher of Christ. And it all started from a young age for him. Um, kind of leading into that, uh, before the book of Samuel, we see that this is a time that God was leading Israel into the promised land. And during this time, um, he, he was starting a new life for them. And we see in Judges that um, the Israelites, they, they fail pretty miserably at this. They, they kind of start doing their own thing. And um, it kind of leads into this time to where it's just barren and... Um, there's not a whole lot of spiritual, spirituality from the Israelites during this time. After God had made these promises, they, they kind of just put it on the back burner. And um, they, they just start to kind of look and search and hope for somebody who is a, a Christ-like figure during this time. So as we look into the first part of Samuel, um, 
you'll see a little bit of background about how Samuel steps into this role in this dangerous prayer today. Um, Elkanah, and he had two wives, and one, one was Hannah, who was Samuel's mother. Um, and Samuel, or Hannah wasn't able to have children at the time, so she had prayed a prayer to God and basically asked to have a child. And God had heard her, and she was obedient, and whenever she had the child, she dedicated him to the Lord. And whenever she did this, um, Samuel's life was basically put back into God's hands. But at a young age, um, Samuel didn't know God for a while. Samuel wasn't being led to God, and he was just kind of going through the motions, but God was always searching after Samuel. We see in the second chapter, Hannah prays this long prayer, and she thanks God, basically, for the blessing that he had given her. Um, and and Hannah, was, Hannah was basically singing of God's praises and answering this prayer that she had spoken to him. Um, but we also see a different character in this, and his name was Eli. Now, Eli was a priest at the time, and God was pretty displeased with Eli just because he wasn't living a Christ-like life. Um, he had two sons, and they basically were taking offerings and um, stripping the Lord of the glories and the riches that he was supposed to be given at this time and the sacrifices and um, God was angered by this, so he sent, it was a man of God in the Bible in some translations or a prophet, but he sent a man of God to Eli and basically told him that due to his son's negligence and due to them basically abusing the power of God and um, what their father had done as a priest, uh, he was basically going to kill off their family in the prime of their life. And Eli took the message, I mean, I don't know what you can really say at that point in time, but just accept what God has to say to you. So in the first part of Samuel, we see that Samuel is actually uh, learning under Eli. Eli is his mentor. And during this time, um, I'm sure that Samuel is basically trying to learn from Eli and learn what it's like to be a man of God. And um, it, it kind of leads us into the middle part of the chapter. to where Samuel is in a place of stillness, and he is in the house of God. Uh, I'm going to summarize kind of the first part, and then uh, I, I'm going to lead into, it's, it's basically just one main verse today, so we don't need PowerPoint or anything like that. Justin was like, hey, you need a PowerPoint? I was like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> I only got one verse today, maybe two, if we're pushing it, if we're feeling, if we're feeling bold. But um, kind of in the beginning, like I said, Samuel was in the house of God, and during this time, um, he was just being still, Eli was to the point to where he was almost ready to fall asleep, and um, Samuel was just, even though Samuel had not known God, God was searching after his heart. So we see that um, in the middle of the night, right before Eli was about to fall asleep, that God had called out to Samuel, and he called after him. Just It was an audible voice. It was Samuel. And Samuel had heard this, and since he didn't think anybody else was in the temple, he didn't know God at the time, he thought it was Eli, so he ran to him and said, yes, teacher, you called. And Eli was just like, hey, you're hearing things, just go back to bed. So Samuel listened, he went back into the house of God, he was being still, he was being quiet, and then within that, um, he heard a voice again, Samuel. So excited, he runs to Eli again, and Eli, you called me. No, I didn't call you, go back to bed. So Samuel goes back, he does the same thing, he keeps going back to the same place, into the house of God, he's still, he hears it again, Samuel. So he goes, and at this point in time, he goes to Eli, and I'm sure Eli's getting pretty aggravated at this time, um, and says, no, I didn't call you, but then it kind of clicks. Wait, this is God speaking to you, Samuel. So 
So at this time here, Eli tells Samuel to go back into the house of God and to be still and to pray the dangerous prayer that we're talking about today. And that prayer is speak to me. Now, this is a very, very dangerous prayer because whenever you ask God to speak to you, and he does, you have to be willing and ready to do what he asks you to do. As I kind of mentioned in the beginning of this, um, I felt as though God was calling me to youth and calling me. I didn't know it was ministry at the time, and I don't know if it's going to be ministry after today or whatever it may be, but I knew God was calling me to more. And whenever I prayed that prayer, I was willing to do it, but I don't know if I was quite ready yet. And it took some time to go after that. But God doesn't stop chasing after us. The God of the universe who created all of this, the heavens and the earth, wants to have a personal relationship with you. He wants to speak into your life and he wants to show you his plans. But the biggest thing is, is are we going to be obedient and listen? So as we see, Samuel in this passage, who around the time was probably an 11-year-old boy, didn't know God, had no recollection of God, was hearing these audible voices, and he went into the house of God, and Eli said, speak this prayer, Samuel. And he told him to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So this leads us into the verse that we're going to talk about today, um, and this is verse 10. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10. And in that verse it says, the Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And then we go into chapter, or we go into verse 11. Um, and I could read it from, from the Bible. Um, obviously, you're there. But basically, what he says is he, he speaks into Samuel and tells this 11-year-old boy who was following Eli, this high priest at the time, that Eli has been sinning against him. And that he's basically going to punish Eli and his descendants for the actions that he's allowed his children to do. Now, if you look here, how hard would that be? Samuel, this 11-year-old boy who was looking up to this priest, looking up to Eli for guidance for his, his spiritual mentor. And he has to go and tell him the news that God had spoken to him, that Eli wasn't living his life for God. I'm sure that we've all ran into a couple situations like that in our life to where God maybe was speaking to us and telling us we weren't living into our, his, his path for us. Or we knew somebody that was struggling with something and we needed to reach out to them and we needed to, to share that message with them that, that God is calling you to something more. So even though this is a hard prayer and Samuel prays this, the thing that I find just so miraculous about Samuel, for one, even though he didn't know God and each time he was called, he was ready to serve, and he was willing to serve. So every time he heard the audible voice, Samuel, he was excited. He ran to Eli. This is the middle of the night right before bed, and Samuel was still, and he was doing nothing. And um, whenever he calls him, he runs to him. Teacher, you called me, ready to serve, willing to serve. And every time Eli rejects him, tells him to go back, he goes back into this place of stillness. He doesn't go back and start fidgeting with things. He doesn't go back and just start flooding his mind with all these distractions, he goes back into a place of surrender, a place of peace. And I think that that's something that we can take ourselves, especially in today's world. How many times do we just plug up all of our time with Netflix or with social media? How many times do we flip on the TV and just pay attention to these politics and all these negative things that are just flooding into our life? 
And then we always make excuses about how in the middle of the week we can't go to this Bible study because we have to do this or we have to do that. And, and trust me, I, I know it just as well as anybody else. I know that life gets busy. And it's really hard to surrender your time, and it's really hard to give up that time, especially in things that you think are important to you. But when God calls us, we need to be ready and we need to be willing to answer his prayer because I promise you now, and I'm standing up here trying to live into it today, that the things that God has called me into in my life and the things that I wanted, everything that God's called me into has given me far greater purpose in my life than anything that I ever could have chose for myself. I kind of think of it, um, I think it's Bruce Almighty whenever he's, uh, I think that's the one with Jim Carrey, I don't know, it's Evan Almighty, Bruce Almighty, I don't know which one it is, but um, he, he basically starts praying these prayers and he prays for things that is gonna make his life easy. And he prays for things that is just gonna give him comfort in his life. And God usually answers in the exact opposite way. He calls us to be comfortable in the uncomfortable, which is super hard to do. And in those moments right there, he thinks, you know what? I can do this better than God. Why don't I be God? So in the movie, they kind of do the flip reversal role, and he becomes God. And you see him, he starts emailing all these people and answering these prayer requests. And he basically gives himself everything that he wants. And you see how it turns out for him. It turns into just a bunch of empty promises. And that's because anything that the world wants to pump into us or wants us to imagine that this right here is, is what our life is, is going to be like. This right here is what we want. We want to make these large paychecks. We want to go on these huge trips. We want to be able to afford these expensive things. That stuff's great. And God wants us to live comfortably in that sense. And he wants us to be comfortable with what he's provided for us. But he calls us to so much more than that. Just all of these earthly things that we have, the devil just places that there as distractions for us. Because in the moments that we are still, and in the moments that we think, we pray and we pray and we pray, but God never answers. Is God actually answering and you're just not listening? Because I know for me, I've had that a ton of times. I've prayed for things that I've wanted in my life, and I'll share some of that later. And God, he answers in different ways. But that path that we take that's for God is going to be far greater than anything we could ever imagine. So as we get back to the story, Samuel goes back and he goes to bed after he hears this hard news. And Eli asks him the next morning, Samuel, what did God share with you? And Samuel doesn't want to share it. But Samuel is obedient. An 11-year-old boy, and I think that this is amazing because I think of having childlike faith. Samuel was ready and willing to serve the Lord. And at that moment right there, Samuel opens his heart and shares what God had put on it. And Eli, after hearing the hard words that Samuel has to share, even though he had already heard this from God and he had already heard God's plan, he comes to the facts that God will do whatever is best for him. And that's hard. And it just amazes me that during that time, even though God had basically said that he's, he's going to do horrible things to Eli's descendants and to the generations after him, Eli is still willing to hear God's plan. So basically, after Samuel does this, God blesses him, and, and again, Samuel goes on to live a life for God, and um, he anoints, the, he anoints uh, Saul and David and the kings of Israel and kind of unites the land, and he becomes one of the last judges in the Bible, and he just does all these great things, but it all comes from this small prayer that he prays to God. Speak, Lord, 
your servant is listening. But some of the applications that we can take out of this, they're hard. And they're going to be things that are going to challenge us, again, to put ourselves behind what God wants for us. So some of the main points I took out of this passage, the first one being, be still. So as you see, Samuel, as he keeps going into the house of God, he keeps entering into this place of peace, into this place to where he is surrendering his time and all the distractions around him for God to listen to what he has to say. And I think about, again, how hard that is for us today. And I think about all the distractions that can happen in our life. And again, I think that's just the devil trying to flood out what God has to say to us. I remember in college one time, um, I, I had been in my faith for just a little while. I really, I came to faith kind of later and, and chose that path, probably my junior year of college. And it was my red shirt junior year. And the year before that, I, um, some things had happened. And it was just a really tough year. Um, I was at a small division one school in Tennessee and I was playing baseball and uh, some, some things had happened with injuries and I had some deaths in my family. And I remember just at the time, uh, my uncle Brad had passed away. And I felt like it, I, I just wasn't at peace with that first death. I felt like that was my first uncle had passed, first close family member. And I just felt that, man, that, that stings. Even though we weren't super close, it's just imagining him not there in his life, um, Imagining his family without their dad, it was hard. So I remember one day, um, I was talking to my mom, I think, on the phone, and I think my dad was struggling with some stuff, and I, I know his family was struggling with some stuff, and they didn't know if his heart was right with the Lord. And I just felt compelled to pray a prayer at that time. And I asked God, I said, God, just speak into me right now, and let me know, and let me have the peace to show me if my uncle made it to heaven. And that was a dangerous prayer. I had prayed something to God that he didn't have to answer, that he didn't have to show me, but I was hopeful that I would get an insight onto what actually happened. So I prayed this prayer, and I felt super in tune, and I was reading my Bible, and after this prayer, I was just sitting there in silence for five, ten minutes, and wouldn't you know it, nothing happened. <laughs> nothing. And I was like, Really misread that one, God. But you know, I, I, I went on with my day. I kept at it. I prayed it a few more times. I wanted to listen. And then after that moment, I stopped praying because God wasn't answering it. I wasn't getting the answer that I needed at the time I needed it. So I just said, okay, I guess he doesn't want me to know. I don't need to know anymore, whatever. So I go on with my life. A month or two goes by. It was finals week. I'm, I'm stressed to the max. I'm sitting in this library full of students, and I have my music blaring, and, and I'm just trying to focus on the, the task at hand. And I'm, I'm, It's probably like 10 o'clock at this point in time, and I'm, I'm cramming for an 8 a.m. final that I hadn't studied for. But um, in that moment right there, I started to feel this sense of warmth. And I started to feel this sense of, it's hard to explain, but this sense of love. And it's almost like when you haven't seen somebody for a while or somebody does a task for you that's just totally out of their way and it's just, it really resonates with you and it just feels good. And you kind of get like butterflies and your whole body tingles and as corny as it sounds, it's just an amazing feeling and it's just a feeling of love. So I just sat there in the library and I was kind of confused because usually the library is freezing and I was like, okay, that's, that's really weird. 
So I go back to studying, I put my music back in, I start blaring it, and then a couple minutes go by, and I feel it again, and it gets a little stronger. I'm like, man, what is happening right now? So I kind of sit there for a minute, and I didn't pay much attention to it. I mean, again, I'm stressed. There's so much stuff happening around me that I just ignore it. So finally, I start going back and studying and studying, and then it hits me again. And at this moment right here, I realize God is trying to tell me something. I, I didn't know what it was at the time, but I knew in that moment right there, God was speaking to me. So the only thing that I knew what to do in this congested library, I took my headphones out, I shut my book, I leaned back in my chair, and I just closed my eyes. And I put my head down and just put myself in a, in a place of surrender. And in that moment right there, the only thing that I can explain to you that happened was I just felt this overwhelming sense of just love over me. And as I closed my eyes, I was brought to tears, and I probably looked like a total weirdo, and people probably thought I was having a mental breakdown over my finals. But at that moment right there, I, I had truly felt God. And the only thing that I could see in that moment was my uncle's face smiling. And, oh, man, it was so amazing. But the thing was is I had prayed this prayer dangerously. I had asked God to speak to me. I would asked God to show me something that I didn't deserve to know. But the more that I tried to flood God's word and, and, and flood this answer with things that I wanted to hear, and I thought I was immediately going to, God was just going to answer, yes, he's in heaven. Thank you, God. How many times do we ask God, God, I want something. God, speak to me. But are we actually asking or are we demanding? Are we actually saying, God, speak into me and show me what you want? Or are we saying, God, this is what I want, make it happen? And I think that that right there is a line of faith that, that we have to take, that we have to be still. In that moment of all the chaos around me, when I finally could surrender myself and my time and my mind to be willing to, to listen to God and to be in tune with God, he spoke to me. And that was such an amazing moment. So leading into that, the next point that I got out of this is we have to be willing. Now, being still is hard enough, but being willing is going to challenge you a little bit more. So to be willing, how many times have we prayed for something and God's answered it, but we just keep putting it on the back burner because it wasn't the answer that we wanted to hear? How many times have we prayed for something that God, am I supposed to God, am I supposed to get this job that makes six figures and I'm supposed to live comfortably and God's God calls you to ministry or God calls you to go on a mission trip or something that you have to surrender yourself or your identity. And in that moment right there, it's not that God's plans changed, it's just that our intentions have. We pray to God so many times again with a list of demands and we pray to God thanking him for things and asking him for things and things that we want to receive. But how many times do we actually just be still and listen to God and we're willing to do what he asks us to? How many times are we willing to go out of our way to do the hard things that God puts in our life? I think about it and I think about to-do lists and now that I'm married and have a house, the to-do list just never ends. And it seems like every time I look at that to-do list, there's 30 things on there and the first 20 are super easy things that I can knock out in a day or two and 
Uh, well, I say that, and my wife will tell you it'll probably take a week for me to do it, but I think it's always super simple, and I'm super optimistic, and then we have to replace our whole house or something, or <laughs> replace pipes or whatever it may be. And, but in those moments right there, I think about the to-do list, and I think about all the easy things that's on the list, and those are always the first things that I go after. Those are always the first things that I try to tackle. And everything that's hard or difficult, I put off to the end, and so many times those things that are hard to do, they usually end up staying on the list for months, years, decades, just because it's hard. And how many times do we want to lean into the easy things to do in life rather than the hard things? And I think that is the hard principle of being willing to do something that God's going to call you to is because God's going to call you to do difficult things in your life. God doesn't want us to live this easy, comfortable life. God calls us to reach people, going out of your way, being kind to people. Those are tough things. Especially in today's age where everybody has an opinion, how hard is it to surrender your opinion and just tell somebody, hey, I don't fully agree with that, but I love you and I want to pray for you and I want to walk beside you. Instead, we just start flooding and saying, no, this is right. You are wrong. And I think it's the same way that when we pray to God and he answers in specific ways, we say, why are you telling me this, God? This is wrong. We think we can do our job or his job better than he can. And I think that one of the things for being willing and one of the things that, that kind of helps me put it into context is instead of coming to God with a list of demands, what if we were just to come to God with just a blank sheet of paper? And we said, God, I'm going to be still in this moment, and I'm going to be willing to sacrifice this time. I'm going to fill out this piece of paper right here with whatever you tell me to, God. And I pray that when you speak to me, that I will be willing to do that. And that's tough. One of the, one of the examples I have from that is... Um, Again, in college, um, I, I went to school to play baseball, again, at this Division I school in Tennessee, and uh, it, it, there was a lot to get there, and I'd worked really hard for it, and it wasn't exactly where I wanted it to be, but my end goal was playing professional baseball. And my whole life, I grew up thinking, I don't need college, I don't care what I study, I'm going to play professional baseball, no matter what it takes. So I remember my junior year, I started off, and uh, things were great. And then I got hurt, and then all these things happened, and I had to redshirt. And God took kind of the, the baseball identity away from me, and that's whenever I truly came to Christ and started praying and, and started reading my Bible, and I accepted him as my personal Savior. So then I came back the next year, and I was like, okay, we're, we're ready to roll now. I'm, I'm rehabbed. I'm, I've got God in my life. I'm praying to him. I know baseball's going to happen now because I've worked hard for this. I deserve this. So, junior year comes, I start off, and it's amazing. I'm leading the nation and all of these stats, and I'm doing great, and then as the year goes, I start, slowly start to kind of fade away and, and doing worse and doing worse and doing worse, but I'm, I'm still kind of hanging in there to where I'm in a position to where I could play at the professional level. So, scouts are looking at me. They're calling me to tryouts. They're calling me and saying, hey, we're, we're thinking about drafting you, and I'm like, yes. This is what I've worked for. I deserve this. I prayed to God that if baseball is something I'm supposed to do, he's going to make it happen. But instead, I was praying to God saying, God, I'm willing to make this happen. You need to make it happen. 
So junior year goes, it ends, I don't get drafted. Real gut punch. What am I gonna do now? Well, I'll go back my senior year, I'll get my degree, I'll play my senior year, it's a shoe in I'm getting drafted this year. They've seen me, everything's fine. So I go my senior year, and it's the worst year I've ever had in baseball in my life. I barely even played at the collegiate level because I was pitching so poorly. And I kept praying to God and praying to God and praying to God and saying, God, make baseball happen. This is what I'm put on this earth to do. This is something I'm supposed to do. And at that moment, that's the only thing that I could think of. That's the only thing I could find my worth in. But in that moment, God was answering in different ways. But I wasn't willing to hear what his message was. So school ends, obviously no scouts are talking to me. There's no interest. It's the final year that the minor leagues are holding some tryouts, and I'm like, oh, this is sweet. God is putting this on my path, and this is going to be a true just rags to riches story to where I, I was great, almost drafted, nothing, and then boom. God's going to just raise me up in this moment, and I'm going to live into my calling as a baseball player. So I'm working hard, I'm working hard, I'm working hard, and the week of the tryouts come, and I get mono. And I'm like, God, is baseball supposed to happen? And I prayed this prayer and kept praying and kept praying and kept praying for God to make baseball happen. But the only thing that I was saying was, God, make it happen. But in those moments right there, I wasn't still and I wasn't listening and I wasn't willing to hear what God actually had to say, which was, you idiot, you're not supposed to play baseball. How many times do I have to tell you this? Live into another calling. And at this point in time, Justin, this is about the time that he was talking to me about youth and talking to me about getting active in the church. And um, this was the time that Andrea and I were starting to get more serious and, and talk about a life together. Um, and it was just hard for me because that was something that I put my earthly identity into was me being a baseball player. And that's all I could find that my worth was. I didn't put it in God, even though I was a Christian. I wasn't willing to hear what he actually had to say. I was still in those moments because I wanted God to speak to me. But when I was getting these, this opposition from him and these answers that weren't what I expected, I didn't want to follow Christ. I wanted him to have my plan and for things to be easy. And I think that that's something that the same thing with Samuel. God very easily could have said, Samuel, I'm going to bless you the rest of your life. You have to do nothing. You've already done the prayer. I've been seeking after you. You're my child. Life will be easy from now on. But he didn't. The first task that he asked his 11-year-old boy to do was to go to his mentor, Eli, and say that he has been sinning against him. And Samuel was obedient. And look what that resulted to. So something for us as followers is we have to be willing and we have to be able to hear what God is telling us. So the last and final point that I got out of this is that we have to be ready. So we're still, we're listening to God, we're willing, and we're ready to hear what he has to say. And when we're ready, we have to, we have to be ready to take action. So that's why this is a bold prayer. And, and, and all these points get more dangerous as they go because when we speak to God, he's going to speak what he wants. So that's why I say to pray this prayer and all these bold prayers with hesitation. If you're unsure of something, maybe you need to spend more time in prayer. Maybe you need to spend more time reading the word. Because I can promise you now, and I'm, live, I'm trying to live it out, 
and I'm struggling with a lot of things, and I've ran from God more than I could count. I've had God speak to me in so many ways throughout my life that I've finally realized that I've just opposed him and wanted to go a different way, that I could write a book about it. And Andrew will laugh because the sermon that I wrote before this that I literally typed 10 pages out sounded like I was trying to write a Christian book. <laughs> I don't even think half the stuff that I was sp- speaking about today was even on there. <laughs> but you have to be ready to do what God is asking you to do. If you're still and you're willing, you have to be ready. God may be calling you today to lead a huddle, to lead a house church. You may say, God, I don't know how to do this. Take some steps to get into that, and I promise you that God's going to show you the way. He may say, whenever there's a time of prayer and Justin says, guys, I want you to pray out loud. You may say, I don't know how to pray out loud. I'm scared. What if I don't have the words? God is going to give you the words. If you are still and you're willing and you're ready to be the hands and feet of Jesus, then he's going to bless you beyond compare. A story that I could talk about with that, with being ready, was, was with my marriage with Andrea. So I had prayed for this woman. I had prayed for a girl at the time that would fill my life with a Christ-like center. I was okay with being alone. I had gotten right with God, and, and I had prayed, and sure enough, he answered with Andrea. So things were great in the beginning, and I was still, and I was listening to God, and I was willing to do whatever he told me if I needed to be single or if I needed to date somebody or whatever it may be. I was ready. I was fine. But whenever it actually came to living out what God wanted me to do and do the hard things, eh, I wasn't quite ready for that. Andrew and I struggled with distance. We struggled with families living in two different places. I struggled with my obsession with wanting to play baseball and continue these things. And I basically just started to say, God, I know you brought me this girl, but things aren't really easy in lining up to my past. So I don't know if you were really right on this one. So in that moment right there, I was, I was pulling away and she was pulling toward me. And I, and I was a horrible partner at the time. I was still, I was willing, but I wasn't ready to truly live into what God was calling me toward, which was this relationship. And man, there were so many times that it was, it was extremely hard. And I remember one time I had surprised her on a vacation to go out west with her family. And uh, before this, I think we were ready to end things. I think that she had had enough, I had had enough. We just didn't think it was ever going to work. And man, I went on this trip and God just totally rocked my world. Whenever I went, he was like, you idiot. I've provided this for you. I did exactly what you asked for, but you weren't ready to live into this calling. So the vacation went, I came home, and I, I wasn't a super emotional person at the time, but man, I remember I was just crying. I was crying to my family. I was walking around. It was like a sob story. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Why did I turn into a teen drama? But I remember one day, I went up to the CMA parking lot, and I'd finally had enough. I was in just spiritual ruin at that time. I was being led in two different ways, what the world wanted for me and what God wanted for me. And I remember sitting there for about 20 minutes, just silent. And I prayed to God, God, just speak to me and tell me if this is supposed to be. If this is what your plan is for me, God, 
I'm willing to make it happen. And I finally come to the realization that I'm ready to make it happen. And at that point in time, I was ready to move to Michigan. And if I'm ready to move to Michigan, then God's speaking to me. <laughs> Nobody moves to Michigan in their right mind unless God is speaking to them. And our family's listening right now, so sorry about that. <laughs> but in all actuality, I, I was finally ready. And I was ready to live into the purpose that God had given me. Now, going from there, things weren't easy. Things were still difficult. But God has put her in my life to push me forward spiritually. So I ask you guys today, are you bold to pray this prayer? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And man, I told Justin whenever we were going over the message, I, I don't know what it is, and I didn't know who was going to come today. It didn't matter if there was 10 people or 100 people. I'd still be nervous. I'd still try to preach the same message, but I just felt like at the end of this message that God was just telling me that somebody needed to hear this today. And I don't know if that's just somebody needs to be bold with their spiritual life. I don't know if somebody is just praying these empty prayers and they're not living into their true identity that God is calling them to. But I promise you, if you're ready to pray this prayer, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. God is going to change your life in ways that you could have never imagined. And in these hardships, in these ways that you think that you could never find an out from, in these ways that you think that you have no power, you have no experience, no experience, God is going to bless you. And I don't know if anybody gets anything out of this message, but I know that whenever I leave here, my heart is going to be right with Christ because Christ put this on my heart. And I could have gave the worst message that anyone has ever heard. And if so, I'm sorry. Justin will be back next week. <laughs> but listen, whenever God speaks to us and you're ready and you're willing to listen to him, he's going to bless you in uncomparable ways. I can go ahead and invite the band up. I talked a long time today. I didn't think I'd make it to 11.30. But um, I'm not done. Thanks for the early cut, but I'm not done. <laughs> You're not going to lunch yet. As the band starts to play this song, I just wanted to ask you guys and challenge you guys that throughout this week that you pray this prayer. But again, only pray it if you're ready. Only pray it if your heart is ready to listen to what God is telling you. I ask you in this moment, if you truly feel called to just close your eyes, maybe you need to lift your hands and just ask God to speak into your life. I don't know who needs to hear this today. I don't know if there's somebody here who doesn't know Christ or if there's somebody on this live stream that doesn't know Christ, but if that's so, God is longing after a relationship with you. God wants to share his plan, his grace, and his love with you today. God wants you to live into this calling to be more what this earth has ever called you to be. Are you ready? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So as the band plays, I don't want you to miss out on this moment. 
want you to just be still and listen to what God tells you. But again, I challenge you throughout this week, I challenge you to live into your calling as God has called you to be and leave this church ready to be the hands of